What would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you had all the money, all the time, all the knowledge, all the resources that you needed? What would you do with your life if you simply knew that anything was possible for you? My name is Christina Carlson, founder of Global Swedish Design and stationery brand Kiki K, and author of the book Your Dream Life Starts Here. And I love exploring these sorts of questions to inspire people to dream. Before I started Kiki K, I had a dream that I could bring Swedish design to the world to create beautiful products that bring sparks of joy into the everyday lives of millions. Now that I have achieved that dream, I want to help you dream big. I want to create a global movement to inspire 101 million dreamers to transform their lives and transform the world in return. Each episode, I'll be talking to some of the world's most inspiring people, exploring the powerful impact that dreaming has had on their lives. We'll be diving deep into the power of dreaming with real insights and ideas that you can use immediately to build a dream life of your own, whatever that means for you. Hi there, and welcome back to another episode. I initially came across this episode's inspiring guest, Fraser Grew, from my 12-year-old son, Axel, who said, Mom, you will love this guy. He's all about dreaming. And he was right. Ever since learning about Fraser, I could not wait to have him on my podcast to talk about his own amazing dream. On a mission to inspire people to pursue their dreams, Fraser has chosen to spend half his life capturing the dreams of the world. Back in 2016, at the age of 22, he started this mission, which is to ask one person every single day for 10,000 days, what is your dream? Just 26 years old at the time of this podcast recording, Fraser will be 50 when his mission is complete, having spent about a quarter of his life capturing people's dreams. Just amazing. Like me, Fraser believes that everyone has the right to dream and aims to build a culture around the importance of pursuing them, no matter who you are. So far, Fraser has captured the dreams of prime ministers, including Jacinda Ardern, more than 400 celebrities, including everyone from Elmo from the Sesame Street to Dr. Jane Goodall, as well as kids, the elderly, people from various race, religion and disabilities, refugees, homeless people, billionaires, Olympians, Oscar winners and even an astronaut. Wow, is all I can say. As you can imagine, we had plenty to talk about and I loved hearing about Fraser's wonderful journey to achieve his dream. Get ready to be super inspired by this episode where you will discover why Fraser decided to embark on this inspiring mission and what he has learned so far. Some of the most impactful dreams people have shared with him, that the journey is as important as the end goal, no matter what that is. So enjoy the journey. How tough periods in life are there to teach you something and more than often good will come after them. The importance of never giving up or taking no for an answer, no matter how much you want to quit. How by doing something you're passionate about, you are driven to do it, especially through difficult times. That we all have self-doubt, but if you love what you do, you'll be able to find something within you to keep going no matter what. 
how sadly our big crazy dreams from childhood change and become a little bit more realistic as we grow up. The importance of a support network and surrounding yourself with people who will encourage and support you. The power of listening to your gut and following your intuition and so much more. I can't wait. So let's get right into it. Hi, Fraser, and welcome to my podcast. I cannot tell you how excited I am to have you on here. Thank you so much, Christina. I'm pumped too. This is so cool. I'm not sure if you know how I came across you, so I'll I'll tell you and also our listeners about that. So Axel, my son, he has a New Zealand teacher. She told him about you and Axel got excited, checked you out, and he just said, I'm going to get him on my podcast. <laughs> and I love, I love how he just got on straight away. And we're going to talk about that, you know, throughout the conversation today, because I love how he just takes action and just do not wait for anything. And this episode will be out just before the new year. I think this is a perfect conversation to have because so many people will be thinking about the new year, new dreams, and also making it all happen for hopefully the best year yet because obviously 2020 have been so challenging for a lot of people. I would love to ask a question that I ask every single guest and that is did you have a dream as a child or something you wanted to, is it something you wanted to do or something you wanted to become or something you wanted to have? Absolutely. Cool question. And yeah, essentially my dream ever since I was seven years old was to be a filmmaker. So my, to be even more specific, I told my mum when I was a kid that I was going to win an Oscar at 23. And that was my dream until the age of 23, which I'm sure I'll go into later on. When I didn't win an Oscar at 23, I just put that out there. That's been my only dream for as long as I can remember. I love it. I love it. And um, I listened to the podcast you did with Axel. So Axel has a, for anyone who's listening, he has a podcast called Axing the Future and he wants to inspire kids his age. And I think he has like up to 20 or something like that, that he wants to inspire people to live their best life. And I absolutely, and I loved that episode so much because it was such a great, I was just kind of blown away. I, I mean, I listened to it when it just came out, but I um, really listened to it this morning and I was just so inspired. And first, because, you know, you can really start dreaming so early and uh, like you did, and now film is all about what you do. But secondly, um, you know, there is, you can do anything if you just stick to it. So I want to talk a lot about that because I think you've done an amazing job what you are doing. But before we jump into that, uh, I love your story and I love what you're doing. So if you could um, explain to everyone listening what you currently are doing and um, a bit about you. Sure. So I'm on this crazy mission in life where I'm filming one person's dream every single day for 10,000 days, which is 27.5678 something days. Uh, essentially, I started on the 8th of December, 2016. And my last day doing this will be April 25th, 2044. And I'll be 50 years old. So I'm currently 26. So it's uh, probably what a quarter of my life that I'm doing this every single day. And this is, I'll go into soon probably how I started this, but this is just, I know, I feel like this is why I'm on earth. I feel like I just want to help the world dream. And if I can do that every single day, basically that's living out my mission statement. And it's, I absolutely love it. It's taken me on this wild journey. It's been insane. I'm on day 1,459, I think. 
It's been a long time, 14.5% through. (laughs) (laughs) I love how you're tracking it. (laughs) Tell our listeners why 10,000 and not 1,000. Sure, that's a great question. One that I ask myself uh, half the time as well. I bet. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, why the heck did I pick that number? Well, essentially, I'll go back to the origin story. So I was meeting with a mate uh, December the 6th on 2016, and he was heading off to the States for six months. And we're just having a drink, uh, coffee, whatever it was. And he was like, give me a challenge, something to do every day while I'm in America. And I was like, dude, you should ask someone each day what their favorite ice cream flavor is. And it took us probably about two or three milliseconds before we realized that was a really lame idea. So that then evolved to asking someone what their why is. And we figured there's probably only so many answers you'd get, you know, whether it's money, significance, family, there wouldn't be too many answers to that question. And I don't know where it came from. It was probably a light bulb moment. It definitely wasn't my life, but I just said, why don't you ask someone every day what their dream in life is? And then I stopped him before he had a chance to speak. And I was like, don't do that. I'm going to do that. So we made a bet and I, uh, yeah, I said, I'll do it for one year. So it's just 365 dreams. And so basically the next day I set off on this mission, there was no big purpose behind it. So it was just a bet. It was probably for the first like 100 days. It was a massive burden in my life. It was that thing that I was like, oh, damn it, I've got to film a dream today. And I would leave it to like nine o'clock at night every day. I would just do family and friends. It was, I was very lazy, basically. I put no effort into it, but I still did it. I still committed to it. And 244 days in, I was trying to get Jacinda Ardern's dream just before she became prime minister of New Zealand. And her team turned me down. I only had 100 days left. It probably wasn't ambitious enough for them to say yes. So I went back one night, probably around like midnight or something. It was one of those emails you send that are just like, screw it emails. And you're just like, I'm just going to be brutally honest and I'm just going to send it and let's see what happens. And I was like, hey, I'm doing this for 10,000 days. It's called 10,000 Dreams. I don't know where that came from. I, I was in no intention to do that. And I sent it off and the next day, uh, her team came back to me and said, yep, let's do this next Tuesday. And I was like, crap, <laughs> that straight away went on Instagram, changed my name to 10,000 Dreams in case they went on Instagram and saw. And essentially like that, I just committed to a quarter of my life. I figured 10,000 days was like two or three years, but I was uh, mistakenly wrong as <laughs> <laughs> being 27 and a half years. And it's, it, it shocked everyone in my life. Like everyone, family, friends were like, what the heck are you doing? And it seemed outrageous at the time. But for some reason, as soon as I made that change, I got passionate about the project for the first time. I don't know why, but I function in a way where if it's not crazy enough, it doesn't excite me. So it suddenly switched on. I'm like, well, if I'm doing this for 27 years of my life, I better put some effort in and I better make this a mission because what's the point of doing this if I'm going to get to the end and I learned nothing, I didn't go on this adventure and I just kind of ticked off each day. So that's when I started, you know, going out there and chasing dreams all around the world. And here we are now, what, three years after that point, basically. I love it. I love this story. And I love how you talked uh, in some of your other podcast recordings with other people that you are really enjoying the journey. I love that because sometimes I think 
we have a big dream, but we don't love all the work and, <laughs> and uh, we don't enjoy the journey. And I always talk about, you know, because my dream is to inspire 101 million people to write down three dreams and then go and chase them. And the reason for me wanting that is because I meet way too many people who kind of forget that they are in the driver's seat of their own life. And, um, and I, I feel that's so sad because we, as far as we know, we only live once, so why not make the most of it? But a dream life is never a perfect life, and it's not like a you know the life where you just you know have it all sorted out. And as we have seen the last twelve months in particular, you know life can be changing in an instant and really be um, be a challenge. But I think that's part of dream life and just making the most of it and pivot and change. And and um, the one thing that I really really loved hearing when you were speaking to Axel was about enjoying the journey and. I think that is so important. So just talk a little bit about how that, because obviously you will have days where you don't feel like doing that dream or, <laughs> and it's hard. And I, I think we can all relate to that. Absolutely. Um, it's only really been the last couple of years that I really started to embrace the journey. I think like a lot of people kind of look at what I do and they see the celebrities I film and they see all of that side and they go, man, it must be so exciting every single day. But probably half of the time I want to quit. There's been many occasions where I've been two hours away from quitting and I've left it to like 11 p.m. at night to film a dream and family or friends have forced me to do a dream. Looking back, that's kind of what makes it so magical, the whole journey. It's the tough periods where you hate it for two months, but then something happens that re-inspires you and reignites you again. And then you look back on your journey and like, ah, that's that's cool. I like that it was a roller coaster. You know, if it was too easy, it it wouldn't be that fun, you know? I've been rejected by every single person in the entertainment industry, basically. And I love that. That's what makes it fun. You know? It's when you get a yes, it's so much more satisfying because that yes came after two hundred no's. You know, it's like brushing my teeth now. This is a habit in my life. It's a part of my identity now. Everyone in my life and a lot of people outside of my life know me now as the dream guy. So whenever I meet up with a friend, family or whatever, dreams always come into the conversation and it's become a part of my life now. And I realized that my biggest passion I thought was film, but it's actually dreams. So when I'm at a party or an event, I love talking about dreams. I love talking about people and what their dreams are, what their dreams, dreams as kids were, and most people never have those conversations in social settings ever. So I guess it's given me this platform to just have those conversations because I'm the dream guy. It's it's a part of who I am now, you know, it's my DNA now. And it's probably going to be that for the rest of my life because I'm doing this for like half of my life moving forward. So, but I love that. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's easy, you know? It doesn't mean that you don't have days where you're totally over this, like totally over this. But I've never regretted posting a dream. I've never regretted filming a dream. But I know that if I quit, it would be the most horrible feeling. Like if I reached April 25th, 2044, and I'd quit like 10 years earlier, that would be a very dark day, I reckon. It would be a very sad day. I, I don't think I'll ever regret trying to help people dream. I heard that you, you know, you had a, 
a young cousin pass away and you did the dream on that day and you you know there will be more things like that as we go through life so how do you take action on days where it's really difficult because obviously in more difficult times more than ever and and i think you know taking action every single day is hard you know in in the best of times but particularly hard when you're going through a tough time absolutely well i think the thing i'm lucky with is that this is a passion of mine and i think if i wasn't as passionate about this i would have quit 100% by now because i think that's the thing like chasing a dream you have to really love it because it's going to get tough and if you don't really love it you'll quit hands down so yeah on the days when i just do not want to do it I just kind of, I don't know, there's something inside that just says, nah, you have to do it. It's a non-negotiable, you know? I have to do a dream a day. Like, there is no exception. And it kind of forces you through it. I mean, but that's without saying, I usually would, on those days, I'd procrastinate until like 9 p.m. at night, and then I'd do it. You know, it's, you're not jumping out of bed to film a dream in the morning. You go, I would leave this to the last second before I have to do it. You had those days. So I don't know, some of the best dreams, some of the most inspiring dreams, some of, I don't want to say best because they're all great. Some of the most impacting dreams I've filmed have come on the days where I've not wanted to do it. When you force yourself to do it, usually something pretty magical happens. But, you know, it's, I think the whole thing, and I know some people have said this to me, what makes this so interesting, the project, it's not so much that it's 10,000 dreams, but that it's also one person doing 10,000 dreams how seeing my life change, seeing my life grow, um, seeing technology change, the cameras I use are different now. You know, by the time this is finished, I don't have kids now, but I'll probably have kids that are married by the time this is finished. So you'll see my kids grow. And I think the bad days, when I look back and I watch the dreams and I go, I remember how I felt on that day. They're all special because it's all part of life. Life's not perfect. Not every day is great in life. And that's what makes it so cool. (laughs) <laughs> if every day was like a perfect dream, perfectly filmed, edited perfectly, it'd probably get boring very fast because it would look too manufactured. I think it's cool when you have days where your editing is very half-assed and the sh- camera shot looks terrible. As much as in those moments it's painful to post those because I'm like, this is so bad. But then like a month later, I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, that kind of shows where I was at on that day. So I don't know. I guess the answer to that question is just making sure you love what you do. I think that's the only way to truly push through crap times. Absolutely. I get a lot of questions from people about when they want to start a business, like some tips. And my number one is always do something you love because um, as with life, business can be amazing, can also be really hard. And there are days where you don't know if you can keep going. And then there are days where you are failing or close to failure or or just don't want to do it anymore. And, but if you love it, then um, that will pull you through. So I so are with you there. <laughs> when you were starting up Kiki K, did you have moments where you're like, no, nah, there's no way this is going to work. There's no way. Yeah, I mean, I, I had doubts all the time and, you know, you know, all I wanted on those days was to be able to keep going because I loved it so much. Like I, I loved creating the products. I got so excited, like, you know, going to the manufacturers and, you know, I was the biggest pain for those people because every Friday I would drive to them and I'd be like checking the quality and making sure it's all good. And they're like, oh, here she comes again. And I was like, 
you know, I was so excited and I loved it. But there were certainly days where I was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. And, you know, cash flow, like figures was never my, my strength. And I got to learn that. And, you know, I learned to love understanding the numbers, but still, you know, numbers is not what drives me. But having a business, you really need to understand the numbers. And, and it's, it's, once you do, it's really exciting because you can start, you know, putting little competitions with yourself, et cetera. But there were certainly days where I, you know, cannot pay bills. And even like in the early days when we were doing payroll, I used to always first pay the ones who I knew had lived on their own. And sometimes because everyone in our team in the beginning, you know, became my kind of family uh, because I knew them so well. We worked 24-7. So if I knew that they were living with their mom or dad or both, um, I always said, can I pay you like five days late this week just because we didn't have enough cash? And, you know, that would never work now. But in a small little, you know, few people, that was like how we did it. And, um, you know, I have a girl that I work with, Amy Bell, and um, we, we, you know, we worked so hard and we, we had so many days where we just, didn't know if we could do it anymore and then we just had so much fun at the same time and I'm working with her again now and um, we are just doing it in a different way now and in a, in a more calm way uh, but um, we often laugh at, uh, at the good old days in the beginning and it's hard but it's also really fun. That's so cool I love that I was thinking about it the other day and I'm like man one day I'm gonna look back in this period of my life right now and I'll be like man the good old days remember you know 20 years ago when I was just filming dreams and it was just me by myself you know like it'll be the good old days and I think when you start thinking like that it kind of inspires you a bit to go how can I make more memories that I'll be talking about to my grandkids it's a really good way of looking at it even like the most toughest times a lot of uh, people who seem to follow me have had you know crazy hard childhood or had really you know a challenging upbringing or whatever it is and uh, often that things that breaks your heart or the tough times or you know they might have someone close being sick or um, you know someone passed away or being sick themselves and often that is what becomes their vehicle and their purpose in the future to make sure not other people have to go through what they went through so so I always look at oh the challenging times are like silver lining so we just gone through you know massive change with Kiki K and really this year has been the hardest like compared to my startup days this year has been absolutely the hardest that I've ever gone through in terms of the challenge we had with Kiki K and I could you know completely disappear and be depressed about it or whatever and I just decided this I'm now going to I learned so much and it was the most horrible experience but I learned so much and I know now I can share even more in that kind of you know people starting their own business and not being in this situation so so in everything there is a silver lining absolutely man I'm so inspired by your story Oh, I think you think so. Am I on yours? (laughs) And that's you know, it's one of one of the things, um, and I often share this on this podcast. I I often ask people, and I ask myself all the time, what would I do if I knew I couldn't fail? So it takes all the restrictions away because I think sometimes when you look at where you are today and you you know you set yourself goals for the next year, you often just look at where are you today and what can I stretch myself. But if you actually take away your reality for a moment and just ask yourself, what would I do if I knew I couldn't fail and what would I do if I had all the money the resources and knowledge and the energy and the health and everything that we don't 
always have everything together with, <laughs> what would you do with your life? And that gets you into a completely different mindset on what is possible for you. And one of the things that came up for me when I asked myself that question was um, that I wanted to do a podcast. And this, you know, it's probably a couple of years ago now. And I was, you know, English is my second language and I'm, I'm used to being interviewed, but not being the interviewer. And I'm really scattered. I forget about things. And I'm like, you know, then I have an idea and I'll start writing. And then I'm like, where am I? <laughs> so, so I was thinking, Thinking, oh, I don't think I can do this, but I thought if I knew if I couldn't fail, I would do this. And in the beginning, I like I never had really anxiety about starting my own business. I kind of just went for it. When I started my podcast, I was like stressed. <laughs> I was like thinking, I don't know if I can do this. And it was very staged in the beginning and it was all felt, felt very unnatural. Now it's one of my favorite things to do. And, you know, I would never have come across you if it wasn't for, for my podcast. Man, thank you. I actually had someone, the reason I reached out to you last year initially, I had someone DM me saying that I have to check out your podcast. Funny how it all aligns. And you know, it's funny because you reached out to me, but I, because I get so many different emails, I, I can never keep up. And it was funny how you reached out to me and then I heard you through the teacher. It's kind of how, you know, it all comes together when it's, when it's time. So I absolutely love it. So I love for you to share some um, dreams of other people and perhaps some of the people that have you have interviewed. So how many have you done so far? 1,459. Wow. So there will be <laughs> been some amazing dreams there. So I'd love you to share some people, but also some dreams because I, by the time this airs and if anyone is listening as it is released, it's just about to become a new year. So hopefully that will be inspiring for some people to think outside the square a bit. Okay. So the dreams that have probably stuck with me the most. I think ultimately family and friends are the dreams I get the most thrill filming. Like those ones are the most special to me, hands down, uh, especially when family members pass away. And so I've, I filmed my Nana's dream just before she passed away. And she Aww, was, what was her dream. Uh, so she was 80, 85 or something. And her dream was to live to a hundred, to have a big party with the whole family. And she passed away a week later or something. Um, and so that now is extremely special. Uh, and especially the fact that my papa reached out to me after that and said, can you write her 100th birthday into your calendar and promise to do a party on that day for the whole family? Cause, uh, that's, it'll probably be what, like 12, 14, 13 years away or something. So those are very special. Also my cousin, 22 year old cousin before he, um, tragically passed away last year. His dream was just to be happy. And that's one, you know, that really woke me up about mental health. And a lot of people's dreams, especially young people now, is around happiness, just to be happy. And it seems like an easy answer, but there's also quite a lot of depth that goes with that, that I'm starting to learn. There's so, so many dreams that have stuck with me. I'll say one that uh, happened in January. When I was in Australia, actually, I was in Sydney. And I was filming uh, dreams at the OG Wiggles charity concert. Uh, they were doing a charity concert for the bushfire relief. And I was filming uh, Greg Page's dream before they went on stage. And we went into this little side room that had terrible lighting. It was this horrible orange lighting. And instantly <clears throat> I was like, oh, no, this this is this shot's not going to look good and i started freaking out and then i and we only had like 30 seconds so i didn't have much choice and then i put the shutter speed on wrong and then the sound was crackly i 
I was not in my best form, let's just say that. And I flew all the way from New Zealand to film basically the stream and I just totally botched it in the moment. Anyway, I filmed his dream and it was all around, you know, what the Wiggles stand for about encouraging kids, helping kids pursue their dreams. And as soon as I filmed, I'm like, thank you so much, man. And he took off. And I just had that horrible feeling of, oh, I killed it. That shot was terrible. So I, I pondered a way that I could refilm it. And so I went up to Greg as he was uh, getting changed. His top was off and everything. And I was like, hey, I actually screwed up the sound. It's a little white lie, I say, when I want to refilm a dream because I didn't film it well. So I said, I, re- I screwed up the sound. Is it all right if we redo the dream? And he said, yeah, yeah, we'll do it after the show. Anyway, the show takes place. It's like two hours long. And as you know, as it was well put into the media at the end of January, Greg had a cardiac arrest on stage just at the end of the show. It all happened right in front of me. The curtains were pulled. Paramedics came. It was a crazy experience. And yeah, I was basically backstage with all the wiggles. Everyone's just break, you know, kind of broke down. And it was just, yeah, we thought we lost them. Basically, it was a uh, it was pretty horrible. It was a pretty horrible hour. Let's just say that. And in that moment, you're like, wow, okay. I look at his dream totally different now. Who cares if the shot wasn't my best work? Who cares about the lighting or the shutter speed? That could have been his last moment that I captured. That is so special. And I hold on to that dream so much now. That woke me up massively because before that point, my happiness was about how I shot the dream, not about the actual dream. So if I didn't shoot it well and it was an incredible dream, I didn't care. I wasn't happy with it. And I, I hate to admit there's been times where I haven't posted dreams because I wasn't happy with how I shot it, which that moment changed me. And since then, I now go dream comes first above all else. That is the most important part of this whole thing. Greg's doing well now. So it's a pretty crazy experience to be a part of. So what I've learned from essentially 1,500 dreams is kids have crazy big dreams. If you're under the age of 12, you just go straight to, I want to be Iron Man. I want to be Captain America. I want to be an astronaut. They don't care what you think. They just go at it, and it's so flipping cool, especially now. Every kid now wants to be an Avenger. That's something I've learned as well. But then as as kids get older, as they get to the late teens and they're starting to go to university, Suddenly, those crazy dreams, I don't hear them as much anymore. Suddenly, it's a little more realistic. It's a little more, uh, but that probably won't happen, so I'll just do X, Y, Z. And it's really, yeah, it's really like sad to see how culture changes you, how culture tells you that those crazy dreams aren't actually possible, that you've got to get a more realistic job and get a stable salary. It's, it's really sad, but then you also see that when people over 60, people over 70, their dreams are always about legacy or their dreams are always about, I wish I did X, Y, Z when I was younger. I wish I was an astronaut. I wish I pursued being an astronaut. So they get to a point when they go, I got to let go of this and I've got to be more sensible and they live their life. And at the end of their life, they go, oh, I regret that. I wish I just pursued my crazy dream. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I talk about that a lot in the book. There is a there is a chapter in my book about regret. There is a, an amazing author, Bronnie Ware. She was a palliative caretaker in um, and interviewed people. And uh, I think it's the Five Regrets of the Dying um, was her, the title of a book. We can link to that in our, the show notes. But um, she interviewed people who were dying. And um, the most common regret was that people at the the end of their life wish that they lived a life that was true to themselves. And I just, I find that so sad because, you know, we are so influenced by other people and people who might not be around, you know, in a couple of years time, or you might have new friends, or it doesn't really matter what they think. And, you know, when I, I, I've now put my, um, my book into a digital course and the people I attract into that cause is are people who want to be with other dreamers and people who think anything is possible. And I love that we are now through podcasts and books and courses, etc., can actually really surround ourselves. Because I think um, when you you said that between 18 or 24, you know, people starting university and they they don't dream it's so important who you surround yourself with. And if you don't have parents who are encouraging you to go after, because sometimes I think parents put their dreams onto their kids. It's very, very common and I see that all the time. But I do think if if you if you can as a child or, you know, as a young adult, surround yourself with like minded people who people who dare to dream and do whatever they want to do, it's so, so powerful. That's a great point. I think most so I grew up in a family with parents that pushed me to dream. Like I think my dad would have told me off if I said I've got a backup plan. Like that's the type of family I came from and I love it. My dad was a professional golfer, mum runs a travel business. So to me, dreaming was just a non-negotiable. It was the only option to pursue my plan A. And I kind of lived my whole life up until a couple of years ago where I was confused. Why does no one else pursue their dream? Why are no of my mates pursuing their dreams? And I kind of had this sheltered mindset. You know, I grew up in a middle-class family, white family. I had a lot of opportunities. Yeah, I kind of went, oh, man, people are just, yeah, they're being lazy or they're not chasing harder. And only by doing this project did I realize not everyone has the opportunity that I had to be in a family like I had, to have that support system because environment is so crucial. And I think that's now one of the reasons why I'm doing this and why I'm not going to quit doing this is that I want to be that voice. I want to be that parent, that teacher to say, I believe in you and I believe in your dream. Not everyone has that. Not everyone has a teacher at school that said that. But if I can do that, that would be insane. And I reckon that's one of the reasons why I'm going to do this, eh? Yeah. And I also think it's a good point here to to say it's never too early or never too late. And I think um, Mm. like if you can – you know, I think we're so influenced by parents and peers, but also teachers. They might have said, you're so good at this. And I meet a lot, actually, a lot of people, you know, in you know, once they worked for a while, you know, especially in law where they, you know, they were so good at school and they were so encouraged to go for a really great education, which was fantastic. But they realized, you know, after a few years that it's it wasn't their dream. It was their parents or their teachers or they were just, yeah, it was just by default. So, so it's never too late to change, which I love. And, you know, it's funny, I did a... Um, commencement speech for Axel School and um, 
Axel uh, on the day when I did um, when I was driving, I asked him if he was coming with me, and he said, "No, I'm going to work on my dream, which is he one of his dream is to to uh, play cricket for Australia, and so he was going to go and practice uh, cricket." And um, and when I arrived at the school, uh, everyone said, "Where's Axel?" And I said, "No, he's working on his dream." And you know, I was talking about dreams and how how we need as parents to support our kids. Obviously, we want to encourage them to you know study as hard as they can because that will help them to learn as much as they can, but at the same time also inspire our kids' dreams. I think it's really important. And and some <laughs> parents just look at me thinking, how can how he's I said to listen to me is could it, it's like him, you know, be that's what he does every day. So this is not anything special. Uh, but I do also think that if we can encourage our kids to be be even if it is video games or whatever it is in terms of obviously keeping that in um, moderation for the health, but also encourage them because, you know, going for a passion is absolutely so important. And I think that helps their self-esteem and all their self-doubts. Like Axel have no problem now standing in front of a thousand people. When we did our dream masterclass here in Melbourne, um, he introduced um, me and, uh, you know, in front of a thousand, like I was nervous and he just walked up and with no problem and Tiffany did as well. So it's just fascinating how, um, you know, if you let them do things, then um, their self-esteem is so so much bigger when they want to, um, I guess, go for their dreams. Absolutely. Man, Axel is such an inspiring kid, eh? It was probably one of my highlights of lockdown doing that podcast with him. He's just crazy. He's insane. And his photography is like unbelievable. Tell us a little bit about how you found all these people because I looked through the, you know, thousand plus people that uh, that have shared a dream and there were some very impressive people that might not be as easy to get. So I love how you uh, were guessing email <laughs> addresses. So please tell us about that. Absolutely, yeah. So I've been I've been lucky. I've so I've done more than four hundred celebrities. So you know, people um, like Jane Goodall, uh, astronaut Chris Hadfield, Jacinda Ardern, Mark Cuban, Andy Murray, uh, the Wiggles, Al McPherson. So I've I've been very lucky, and it kind of all stems from something I started doing a few years ago, which is guessing email addresses, and. I've, I've been too public about how I do it before and it's got me into trouble with a few people. So I got to I got to be careful how much detail I go into it. But I think I've gotten a good grasp now on how to guess an email. And that's not just a business email, that's also personal emails. And it's probably one of my passions in life. I've sent more than 30,000 emails since I started this and yeah, basically every email you send, it could be a potential yes. It's such an exciting feeling. And as I was saying earlier, you get 200 no's and then you get one yes, and you get 200 no's and you get one yes. Also situations like hustling. For instance, the old prime minister of New Zealand was a lady called Helen Clark, who's also one of the leaders at the UN. I snuck into her family Christmas party last December at her house, I walked through the gate into this party and ended up spending two hours <laughs> with her family. It was very random. It was probably one of the most scariest things I've ever done. Um, but, you know, stuff like that. That like, could have got you in big trouble, no doubt. <laughs> it could have. Essentially, um, yeah, uh, with respect, there's a level of hustle where you can go too far and you can actually be disrespectful. But within respect, I think I'm a good hustler, and I actually have a lot of fun doing it. You know, Jacinda Ardern, I 
So I did her dream before she became prime minister. I also did her dream last year on Mother's Day. I got a dream for her daughter that was essentially pretending to be a reporter at a press conference to get into the room, basically. Stuff like that. It's all fun. It's all fun. It's all banter. But yeah, guessing. But um, also, people are always like, how do you get these celebrities? But I think people are forgetting the fact that I went two years where everyone said no to me. No one was saying yes for the first like two years. So it took a lot of time and I had to almost prove myself. Once it got to, you know, 800, 900 days, then people were like, okay, maybe he's actually serious about this. Maybe he'll do it. It was kind of embarrassing going to people in the first kind of couple of months and being like, I'm doing this thing called 10,000 Dreams. And they're like, wow, that's so inspiring. How many days have you done it for? I've done it for like seven days. And they're like, uh, yeah, there's no way you're going to do it. And then, you know, it's kind of embarrassing. You had to prove yourself before they started taking notice. And then it's, it's basically a domino effect, you know, from that point, once you get a few names on, you get more and the more you get, the more you get, uh, lockdown proved to be a blessing in disguise at first, like everyone else, I kind of freaked out about it. And I was like, how the heck am I going to do dreams? And then I figured, what if I get people to send their dreams through from around the world? What if I film people over Zoom? And suddenly the world opened up and it got to the point where I almost had too many celebrities and I had to stop approaching people because it was probably like five celebrities a week. And it kind of, I went down that rabbit hole where I kind of stopped filming people that weren't famous, which luckily I've gone back to and it's, that is the heart of this whole thing. It's the neighbor. It's the homeless guy down the street. It's the kid across the road. That's the heart. It's people. Everyone has the right to dream. Everyone has a dream. It's not just a celebrity platform. But I've I've been very lucky that having celebrities has opened up crazy doors. Like I just got a book deal with Penguin Random House, which I can finally talk about, which is so cool. That came because obviously the celebrities kind of drew attention to that. I got a documentary in development right now, TV show in development, all that stuff. So I've started to realize how that is a big blessing with opening up doors. But I got to be careful I don't go down that too far because it's not so much about that. You know, it's about everyone. I love it. And you know what I, I love about this story is don't say no, say how. that We have that big picture, a big um, text on our wall in our office and uh, my kids have been you know brought up don't say no say how which is sometimes frustrating being the parent but it's because I never take no for an answer but it's such a good one and I love how you're demonstrating here that it's nothing happens overnight and um, that now you got you know a book deal and um, and all the things that you are doing and the things that you are attracting is because of all the hard work that you did and didn't take no because it would have been easy on that seventh day to think this is never going to work. Oh, absolutely. And a great essay. I've just saw the story around that. So it was for the first thousand days, there wasn't much interest outside of just posting the dreams. That was kind of all it was. And there wasn't any interest from any businesses or any companies around the world. And I was kind of, for the first thousand days, it was like, is anyone ever going to notice this thing? Does anyone care about this? And there was this feeling inside, this voice inside that was like, get to day 1000, get to day 1000. I just had a gut feeling that if I got to day 1000, something big would happen. It just seemed like too big of a milestone for something not to happen. 
Now come the day before day 1000. It is the lowest point in my life, like total rock bottom in every aspect in my life. And if I'd quit at this point, everyone in my life would have totally understood and no one would have judged me at all. It was coming up to a day before day 1000. I was just going to post a photo with like a cool caption being like day 1000, very anticlimactic. And I woke up at like 3 a.m. And I was like, had this voice, that voice, same voice came back. And I said, you have to edit a montage video. And I tried talking myself out of it for like 20 minutes because that would require going through 1,000 dreams in the next day because I only had a day to do it and edit a montage video, which was a huge task. Anyway, I listened to that voice, which has never proved me wrong in my life every time I hear that voice. And I spent the next 17 hours editing a montage video. And it was a three-minute one. I went through every dream, basically, to skim through every dream. And I posted it that night. And a producer commented on the montage video. And he said, give me a call tomorrow. Now, this is a producer that I kind of looked up to for years. I didn't know he followed me on Instagram at all. (laughs) So it was a shock to me when he posted it. And I met with him the next day and he said, I was watching your montage video with my wife and I had a gut feeling about this and a gut feeling about you. And then that led, and I can't really go into too much detail around this, but that led to a development deal with a very big film studio overseas. And it just shows if I'd given up on day 999, that never would have happened. And if I didn't post that montage video, it never would have happened. If I picked the easy option of just posting a photo, it never would have happened. And it just shows, you know, it took a thousand days before any kind of momentum started to pick up with this thing. And since then, that's when book deal, TV deal, all that stuff has kind of come out from that moment. But yeah, it took a thousand days. Thank you for sharing that. It's That is fantastic because I think that it's so good for everyone who's listening to have that as a reminder because um, because it's that every day. And, and I think when you have a big dream and often it's something you've never done before or something that's particularly out of your comfort zone and you have all this self-doubt and, and knowing that, you know, if you do something each day and you just, you know, it's just every single day, just take one little action just towards that dream. Eventually you will end up and you never know, as you've just demonstrated here, what happens along the way and things might take other shapes and you might have, you know, sometimes I think we are dreaming too small because we don't think it's possible, but that's why I love that question. If you knew you couldn't fail, what would you actually do with your life? And, and I love that you shared it. So thank you. No. You're welcome. How do you go about finding people? So, for example, um, I know that you've emailed people, but how do you actually choose who to contact, like you, your neighbor or your, you know, someone well-known or cetera? Like have you got a dream list or, or do you just go for whatever feels right at the time? So I do have a dream hit list, which I wrote when I started, which is five names that were like the top of my list. And those names were Justin Bieber, Steven Spielberg, Roger Federer, Elmo and JK Rowling. And those were kind of like the impossible list. Like there's no way that's happening, but imagine. And I guess tying back to the guessing email thing in February, I was guessing that I guess the email of the vice president of Sesame street. And that led to me confirming the dream of Elmo, which I was going to film in Melbourne in August, but obviously things got changed with travel at the moment, but it's going to happen. 
just shows you never know if you don't send that email you know you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take but in terms of who i'm doing it very much is i just go with what's happening in my day so if i'm in a meeting if uh whatever it is i just bring my camera with me there are days we just go walking the streets looking for someone a lot of time people reach out now and i organize streams just because people reach out otherwise i just kind of i don't know i go off that gut feeling that voice inside that i talked about before i kind of just go i think you should go talk to that person or you should dm that person or something happens you know you're watching a movie and oh like for instance over lockdown i was watching gossip girl i started re-watching gossip girl and i was like oh i should reach out to chuck bass ed westwick so i did that and then he sent for a stream like two days later it's stuff like that you kind of just go off what's happening you know <laughs> in the moments you're in that is amazing <laughs> That is a really good way of going about it and also probably makes it the day really exciting because you don't really know how it's going to end up. Exactly. I've read somewhere or heard somewhere that you celebrated when you got Elmo uh, with red shoes. Tell us a little bit about that because I do believe that having those celebration and, and you know rewards along the way really is um, is makes you keep going, etc. And it's really important to celebrate every day because sometimes I think the big dreams – is sometimes about the destination, but having little rewards and enjoying the journey is really important. So tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So that specific one, I thought if I get one of the big five on my dream list, I have to get a little gift for myself tied to them. I have to do something if I get one of those guys. So when I got Alma, I went out and bought some red bands, which I was like, the idea is to get Alma to sign them. The irony of the whole thing is like, Two days after I bought those vans, I became a vans ambassador and I started getting free vans. So I could have got them for free if I waited two days, but that's <laughs> it's all good. But I don't know, like celebration is something I'm terrible at. Like that's one example, but there probably isn't a lot of other examples where I've celebrated little things. Like I don't even think I celebrated getting a book deal. And it's something I've never been good at. You put so much energy into achieving a goal. And I find that sometimes when you achieve it, you're like, oh, okay, never mind. What's next? I got to get better at that. That's a challenge for me. And that question's a good one because I can't really think of other celebrations that I've kind of done. Um, to me, that's sad. I think that's something I, I want to get better at. Um, and hopefully if we do podcast number two in 20 years, I'll have way more answers to those questions. <laughs> no, that's that's really good. But you know what? It all starts with awareness, and that you did it. I think was for that to me it really stood out, uh, really inspiring. Because I think we sometimes forget that. So I think you've done really well. And now it's just a reminder to do it more often. So Thank you know, you. it's about progress, not perfection. Always, I think. <laughs> exactly, but I mean, like, let's say, like, I kind of go back on that. Like the the celebration for say the book deal to me is getting to now write a book. Like that to me is the celebration. There'll be a book release party when it's done. But I think that's where coming in back to loving what you do. The reward is getting to do what you love to do <laughs> more so than money or anything like that. It's the fact you get to work every day doing something you love. That is such a gift and blessing, especially with what's happened this year where most people were struggling to even get any job. It is a gift, you know? 
Absolutely. And, you know, I, because I go for my morning walk every morning, I often think about how incredibly grateful I am and lucky I am that I, the stuff that I do, and I always take this as an example because I go and get a coffee or two um, at the same place uh, if I'm at home. And every morning I just always say, I am so excited and I'm so grateful that you can make such a good coffee. And uh, they often ask me on the weekend, like, what are you doing today? And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to work. And, um, and, uh, they're like, oh, you work so much. I said, yeah, but that's what happens when you love your work. It doesn't really matter what day it is. And, you know, I, I don't want to work like in terms of the structured things on the weekends because I don't want to have like meetings and things that I have to do. But I often, you know, like research people like you and I, I read books of uh, people that are coming on the podcast or not, but I just absolutely love what I do. And every morning I'm just looking at nature and I connect with nature and I drink my coffee and I think, and especially today when I was listening to you, you and Axel, I was just thinking, oh gosh, I'm so grateful that I get to do what I get to do. And also that I have a son that, you know, that, you know, that I've, I've been so blessed to have wanting to be part of my journey and comes on almost all my business trips. And, um, and we have so much fun, you know, and, you know, when he comes on my trips, he drags me out and like, because I've seen much more of the world than he has, like, I don't often, you know, if I go to like San Francisco, I wouldn't go and see the bridge because I already done that, like maybe 20 years ago, but we have a thing, me and Axel, that every trip that we do together, we need to see the sunrise at least once. Because then we go to somewhere where the sun rises beautiful and it's often, you know, in one of those iconic places. I often see the sunrise because I'm an early riser, so I see that. But I, I don't always go to a specific place for it. I might do it in my hotel room or whatever or for my walk. But with him, I just go and see places that I wouldn't have seen. And I'm always so grateful that he drags me out to all those places. <laughs> I love that so much. Before we jump on to some shorter questions, I just wanted to ask you, do you feel like you're living your dream life now? I think because when I was younger and I thought about what my dream life was, I think it always looks different than what it actually ends up being. Because when you're a kid, you know, you don't see the admin side, you don't see anything like that. You just see, you know, winning Oscars and every single day you're winning a different Oscar. And that is the dream life, you know, and <laughs> that is what you imagine. So the dream life now is looking very different. And I think when I look 20 years down the line, it's still very different. I think I'm very grateful for the life I live. I haven't achieved all the goals I want to achieve. I'm still a long way there. But I think the fact that I get to wake up every morning and I jump out of bed. And I'm so excited. And the weeks feel like they're like on fast forward because the weeks go so fast. It's a joke. Like, I can't believe that it's two o'clock already. You know, I've been going since 5 a.m., but it's just phew, flown past. I think that is the dream now when I'm like, I'm so excited about what I do. And I think the fact that it's not just about me, it's about helping others dream every single day. It's about blessing one person every day with their dream. That's amazing. Because you learn as you get older that being selfless is so much cooler than being selfish. <laughs> it's so much better. Like giving is so much better than receiving. Sounds very cliche, but it's so true. So being able to serve someone every day by filming their dream and getting to do it the best I can, I think that is living the dream now. Amazing. I love that. And I, I certainly feel from this perspective, not knowing you very well, um, that you certainly do. 
if we achieved everything, you know, by the time we were 30, we we would stop dreaming. So having lots of dreams. And I think that it changes as you age, um, are much older than you. But the thing is, the, the good thing when aging is that you 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 start, you change and you evolve. And the dreams that I have now is really big, but it's not about the end result. It's about who I need to become to be able to do all that. And um, I love that. And I love evolving and changing. And I love that I have a lot of issues myself because I'm always, you know, trying to be, do you know, do better and become better and become um, a better version of myself. So I think that's part of living your dream life. That's so cool. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, no, thank you. I'm going to finish off with some quick questions that I will. I know that our, our listeners love. And one is, if you could give one piece of advice to the next generation to help them live their dream life, what would you say? Make sure you're pursuing your dream, not your teacher's dream, not your friend's dreams, not your parents' dreams. Make sure it's your dream. I could not agree more. Thank you for that. I love it. love it. I would love it. I know you're an early riser, just like me. So do you have any particular morning routine or 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 do you do it differently each morning? So I wake up probably around 4 a.m. and I read for an hour. That's kind of my, I've started reading every morning for an hour. And then I go into writing because I find a right best in the morning. So yeah, my, but I, I love the morning so much. I go gym. I love breakfast. I love wheat bix so much. Like I'm religious about my wheat bix eating, <laughs> but I think read it. I think one only this year that I start reading like a lot, and that's changed me massively. So I think reading every morning for an hour is like a huge thing for me now. Wow, that's fantastic! And my next question is actually because I love reading too. Do you have a favorite book and why? I know that's probably you know like naming your favorite child. It's impossible, so but if you have one <laughs> one book that you can name here, that would be great can't think of one but i'll just quick fire a few so this book called ruthless elimination of hurry by john mark coma all about eliminating hurry from your life it got me to the point where i deleted all apps off my phone i don't have apps or notifications anymore changed my life also only like the last two months did i start reading harry potter like harry potter is sick like i i love the movies and i grew up with the movies but i never read the book but the books are so much better than the movies. Harry Potter has to be on that list now. I haven't read the first book that you recommend. We'll we'll link to it in the show notes. And actually, the people in my digital course now say that they, you know, every time there's a podcast, they uh, they buy the book that uh, is recommended. And um, so this is this is a new one for me. So I'm gonna read that too. So thank you for that. I would love to know if you have a favorite Kiki K product or a favorite stationary product. I have your dream journal. It was a Christmas gift uh, a few years back. I'd have to say that. But I I love stationery. Like the best part of school was stationery, was buying new stationery. <laughs> I'm a fiend for notebooks. Like I use two pages, then I buy a new notebook because I get so excited about notebooks. <laughs> love that. Love that. Yeah, I'm the same. So that's exciting to hear. <laughs> and thank you for reading my book or my journal. Thank you. So one last question for you. If you could go back to your younger self, say when you were say when you were in your late teens, what advice would you give yourself knowing what you know now? I would tell myself to start 10,000 dreams straight away. Because I wish, imagine if I started this when I was 12 years old and I had through high school, I had all my friends through high school and I grew up with like, you know, a little handy cam 
and then evolved to iPhone, then evolved to cameras. That's never going to happen. But to me, if I met my younger self right now, I'd be like, start it right now. It'd be sick if you did this as to your teenage years. But otherwise, I would say it's patience, I think. I was very impatient growing up. And I was like, if I don't have an Oscar by 23, I failed in life. And now I'm like, I'm 26. I'm all good. Like if I don't win an Oscar till I'm 60, I'm all good with that. I'd say patience, you know, like there's life's a long journey and it ain't going to happen straight away. But I think that's the fun part, you know? Yeah. What a beautiful way of ending this super inspiring <laughs> conversation. Thank you so much. I, I think you're such a gift to the world and I cannot wait. I was so excited when I saw you got the book deal and um, um, I cannot wait for, you know, seeing, um, you know, the TV and the films that you're going to create. I have absolutely no doubt so that will all happen. And I cannot wait when you get your Oscar. I will re-post this. <laughs> post yeah, this, uh, yeah. As a as a uh, celebration, but also as a um, showcase that anything is possible, and sometimes it just takes time. So, thank you so much. And if there's anyone that I have had on my podcast that you would like to film for your dreams, please let me know because um, I think sharing is so important. And if I can help in anyone that you want to have on that I possibly know or can find out, please please reach out. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And this it was an honor doing this with you. Thank you so much. Wow. Did you love that as much as I did? Fraser is so inspiring and just know he'll achieve his big crazy dream even if he will be 50 by that point. I can't wait to see how his journey unfolds and I'll be keeping an eye out for his book release as well and I have no doubt that one day he will win that Oscar. I could listen to people's dreams all day and I truly encourage everyone when you get a moment to check out Fraser's Instagram which is Fraser Groom and it's spelled Fraser, G-R-U-T, where you will find all the dreams he has captured so far. It's a beautiful collection of dreams, both big and small, from people all over the world. Who knows, maybe it will inspire some dreams of your own. Hearing about Fraser's journey of pursuing this dream, which hasn't always been easy, is a wonderful reminder of the importance of never giving up, but also the importance of finding something you are truly passionate about, so you will keep persisting with it no matter what happens. If you are inspired to dream big after this episode, please join my new free workshop, How to Make 2021 Your Best Year Yet. The first one is on the 30th of January, 2020, just in time for the new year. And the other three is in January with a few options. So I hope one of them will suit you. Go to dreamlifestartshere.com forward slash workshop. And I will link to that in the show notes as well. Also, if you want to be surrounded by other dreamers, join my private Facebook group, Your Dream Life Podcast. And if you want some weekly inspiration, join my weekly Dream Life newsletter. I'm linking to that in the show notes as well. I am so excited about all the guests I have lined up to share with you. So don't forget to subscribe so you do not miss them. And remember to tell us what you thought by leaving us a review. I love hearing from you and I'm so grateful for all the comments. So thank you so very much. If you want to see more about what's happening in my world, you can follow me on Instagram at Christina Kiki K. Until next time, dream big.